0: If you're new today, uh, we have been talking about the parables of Jesus. We're looking at ten parables that Jesus told, which are are, are stories. The title of the series is, Where Are You in This Story? Each of us is is in these stories somewhere. And um, we're looking at ten of them that Jesus tells in this series. They're all in the Gospel of of Luke. And today we're in Luke chapter 11. And this is a a, a teaching, a story, a parable that Jesus tells us about prayer. He's talking about how to pray. In This parable sometimes it's called the parable of the friend at midnight. Let's check it out. It's found in Luke chapter 11 and we'll begin reading in verse five. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot give up, get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Father, we we pray that You would take this teaching on prayer and use it to revolutionize our Christian lives. Father, we should be blown away by the fact that we have access to You, that we can come into Your presence 24-7, um, that you are, are, are waiting and eager to hear from us. Father, help us to understand that you are a generous, big-hearted Father, that you love your children, um, that you delight to answer the prayers of your children. And so, Father, we pray that you would teach us to, to pray today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In March of 2009, a Dutch artist named Johan van der Gaan he, uh, he decided that God needed a telephone number, and so uh, he gave him one. He set up this uh, divine hotline, and he said the idea was so that uh, people could call and they could talk to God uh, anywhere or anytime. And so he, he gave this number, and, and, uh, and over a thousand people called the hotline the, the, the first week. And unfortunately, when they did, the, they got this uh, message on the end of the line that said, this is the voice of God. I'm sorry, I'm not able to talk with you right now, but please leave a message. It doesn't exactly convey the idea of God being available anytime or anywhere, does it? You see, in the end, all the telephone number did was manage to to connect people with a disconnected God. I wonder how many of us say that we believe in God and say that we believe in prayer, but in our actual living, we act as if God is a disconnected God. How different is that from the the early Christians? Uh, They didn't do life. Uh, as if God were, were somehow disconnected from our everyday life. In fact, they, they did life. They, they moved through uh, daily life uh, walking with God. They moved through daily life expecting God to intervene, looking to God for, uh, for guidance and, and relying upon Him for, uh, for, for power moment by moment. And where did they get that from? Well, they got it from the teaching of Jesus Himself on prayer. And and today we're we're going to, to look at one of the places where Jesus talks about talks about prayer. He's talking about, about how to pray here. That the setting, and we talked about this, that, that the setting of all the parables is very important. We need to look at each of the parables and see what's happening. What causes Jesus to tell this parable at this particular time? And the setting for this parable is, is found in the, the first verse of chapter 11. If you look at, at, at the, the very first verse of chapter 11, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And so the setting here is that Jesus has been praying. And I think his disciples really marveled at how he prayed. And, you know, he addressed God as his father, and, which was not done at that time. And, and, um, and, and they marveled at how he, he prayed. And so they said, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to know how to pray. And then in verses 2 through 4, Jesus gives what is sometimes called the Lord's Prayer, which is a, a, a model for, for, for sort of what to pray but then after that in verses 5 through 13 he teaches us how to pray how to pray and that's where we're going to focus on this morning how to pray and to do that he's going to use a parable and that's found in verses 5 through 8 let's check it out and he said to them which of you has a friend who will go to him at midnight and say to him friend lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and i have nothing to set before him And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. You know, the the teaching of Jesus is loaded with with humor. And this is one of the funniest stories um, that Jesus tells. And really to to get the full import of it, you need to understand something about the, the first century Middle Eastern setting That Jesus tells this this parable in. So here's the deal: got a weary traveler. You know he's been probably walking uh, all day. Um, He's uh, he's dusty. He's he's tired. He's famished, and and he comes into this little village at midnight. Now remember, we're talking about a culture where no no 24-hour convenience stores, grocery stores. There's no place to buy food. Uh, There's no hotel uh, to check into. No sleep in. Nothing like that. But he does have something going for him. He knows he has a friend in this village. And he knows that if he goes to his Friend that his friend will will, will let him in and, and give him something to eat and give him a place to stay. In, in this culture, in Middle Eastern culture, even now to a certain extent, um, it, it would be unthinkable, unthinkable, not to uh, to uh, to welcome your friend in and to feed him. They just prize hospitality in, in that culture. Um, and, and, and and you know, so for a friend to arrive, you know, in the in the middle of the night and they're they're tired and they're hungry. It would just be unthinkable in this culture not to uh, to, to welcome them and to give them something uh, to eat, but there's a problem. He doesn't have anything to give him to eat. He doesn't he doesn't have any bread. Well, at this point, he faces a choice, and the choice is that either he can be a a, a, a bad host to his friend, or he can be a bold neighbor. <laughs> And he can go to one of his other friend's houses and bang on the door and ask to borrow bread. And he chooses the latter. He chooses to be a, a, a good, gracious host and a bold neighbor. And so he goes to the home of his neighbor and, uh, and, and, and bangs on the door midnight and asks for bread. Now, uh, remember, we're talking here about a, a first century village. No electricity. And so the rhythm of their life revolves around a sunset and sunrise. People in that culture went to bed pretty much when it got dark. And so by midnight, this family has been asleep for hours. And here's the real kicker. In first century Middle Eastern culture, the whole family slept together in a central room. Now, you know, some things I, I wish hadn't changed since the first century. I'm really glad that custom has changed since the first century because that's happened a few times um, in our family, usually during storms and, and whatnot uh, through the years where five of us have ended up in the same bed. And, you know, I always manage to get a hand flopping over on my face when that happens or toes digging into my back or, you know, elbows or knees or, or, or whatever. I'm glad that one's changed. You know, or, or some, some, of you are, some of you may be going through it now, or maybe a lot of you can remember it, um, where when they're really little, and you know, you've, you love them to death, I mean, but it's, life is relentless when they're, when they're little, and, and so you've, you've got you've to rest yourself, and oh, you finally get them settled down, and you can almost just exhale, you know, and it's time to relax now, and then the phone rings. <laughs> You know, and ah, uh, you know, or, or or imagine this: someone's banging on the door. You got every everybody has settled down, everybody's still. You're finally relaxing, and 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 here's some guy that's banging on the door. Now that's that's what's going on here. Um, that's the that's the parable. So, what does this guy do? You know, he at first he he basically just says, "What are you thinking?" It's the middle of the night. I mean, every, my children are in bed with me. Everybody's still. What, I can't get up and give you anything right now. But then what happens? The guy's not going away. He's persistent. He just keeps on knocking. Well, at that point, he just decides, well, I might as well cut my losses. It's obvious. He's not going anywhere. And so rather than him waking up the whole crew and disturbing everyone, he, he just says, okay, okay, okay. Just here, here, I'll give you something. And here's your bread. <laughs> Take it. Go in peace. Okay? Now that's, that's the parable. Now let's look at the point of the parable. Actually, Jesus is making three points from this parable about how we should pray. First of all, he says we should pray continuously. Pray continuously. And look at what he says in, in, verse, in verse 9. Um, Jesus says here, and I tell you, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. All three of these uh, verbs in Greek—ask, uh, seek, knock—they're all in the present tense, and that's a tense of continuous action. And so the real sense of it here is uh, is, uh, is is keep keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. You know, this is really one of the areas where I'm trying to grow as a Christian. Because I don't know about you, but, but for me, I mean, I can have a great quiet time in, in the morning. Um, but if I'm not careful, life can get real busy and, and, and uh, trying to juggle different balls. And, 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 and I can find myself just, you know, going for long periods of time throughout the day and just not, not practicing the presence of God the way that, the way that I should. We're not really—we're not really wired to uh, to do life with, with God. It's, it's not part of our, part of our sinful nature. Is that we're, to, we're we rely, we tend to rely on ourselves. We're pro, we're, our sinful nature programs us to be to be self reliant, and, and not and not rely upon the Lord. But see, as Christians, part of our growth is is learning. To, to do life with God moment by moment so that as just as we're going through life and as things come up and as we we're, we're making decisions and we're having conversations and and we you know we, we different things are happening that we're constantly in touch with the Lord we're constantly you know breathing out prayers we're constantly just 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 passing things on to him and, and just just being able to uh, constantly looking to him for power and and uh, and relying upon Him uh, for for guidance, and uh, and, and trusting Him to provide, um, and just moving forward in in, in obedience, all in just the spirit of prayer as we do life. really helpful little book to to me on this has been a classic little book on prayer called The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Uh, But we're we're to pray continuously. Second, Jesus says we're to pray confidently. Pray confidently. Look at verse 10. Uh, Jesus says here, For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. I don't know if you guys have ever thought about the, the meaning of, the, of the, the stained glass behind our, our baptistry, but you, you know, it's Jesus knocking on a, on a door. And that image comes from Revelation 3.20. Where uh, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him and, and he with me. That's a beautiful image um, uh, where Jesus is knocking and, and, and we let him in. But th- uh, there's another image in Scripture too, equally true. And, and that is that, that, that we're to knock, right? That's the image that Jesus is presenting uh, here. Uh, we're the ones who are, are knocking. That's the image that you see in the latter part of, of Psalm 23. What does David say? That second part of, of Psalm 23 it says, what, you prepare a table before me. He's picturing God as a gracious host welcoming us into His presence. You prepare a table before me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. He, David is presenting God there as, as, as the gracious host uh, you know, that we knock on the door. God, God opens. He welcomes us into His uh, presence where he, 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 he lavishes His love upon us, right? 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor has the heart of man imagined the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. I mean, you ca- we can't imagine how much the Father uh, wants to welcome us into His presence as we pray, how much he wants to hear from us, how much he, he, he delights in, in hearing from his children, how much he delights in, in lavishing his love upon us and, and answering our prayers. And therefore, we should pray confidently. Third, we should pray boldly. Pray boldly. Let's look at verses 11 through 13. G- Jesus uh, uses an analogy here. He says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, well, instead of a fish, give him a serpent, or if he asked for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, Jesus here is making an argument from the lesser to the greater. Okay? He knows there's a lot of parents in the crowd. He knows they can, they can relate to this. And He says, um, how many of you parents... If your little child comes to you and their, their tummy is empty and they ask you for a fish or an egg, you know, how many of you are going to give them a, a slithering serpent or, or give them a scorpion? Revolting. Unthinkable. Well, Jesus says, well, that being the case, if you then, uh, as human parents, with all, of your, with all of your warts and flaws and with all the imperfections in your love, um, if you still delight in giving good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly Father, who has no warts or flaws, whose love is perfect, how much more does he delight in giving good gifts to his children? Now see, to really understand the teaching of Jesus here, we have to understand who we are in Christ. We have to understand that, uh, that we are through Christ, that we are his children. We need to understand that when we place our trust in Jesus... That the Father adopts us as His very own sons and daughters. And He, he, he loves us the way that He loves His Son. We, we have become His, right? John 1.12 uh, says this. It says, For as many as received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become what? To become children of God. That's who we are. You're a child of the Father now. And your Father loves you. And your father is big-hearted and he is generous. Your father is no miser. He delights to give good gifts to his children. He delights to answer our prayers. Romans chapter 8 and verse 15 says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Now Abba was a very tender Aramaic word. It was a word that Jesus used to address God when he was praying and it was a word that would only be used in the context of a of a, of a family you know, only three people in this world that call me daddy okay and that's 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 my three children and this is kind of, Abba is kind of like that that term you know it's it's uh, it, it's just you can you you have the right you have the privilege because of Jesus because of what Christ has done for us Christ and taking our sins upon himself he, he, he removed the barrier between sinners like us and a holy God and when we place our trust in Jesus, we're adopted as the father's own. And listen, you can call him your Abba. He is, he is, your, he is your father. And your father loves you. Your father's generous. Your father delights to answer your, your prayers. You know, Alexander the Great uh, once had a general that he was, he's very close to and he, he thought the world of this particular general. So much so that he offered to pray, pay for the general, uh, general's daughter's wedding. And so the general figured out how much he was going to spend on his daughter's wedding, and he gave the sum to Alexander the Great's steward. And when the steward looked at the sum, he was taken aback because it was an enormous sum of money. And uh, he took it to Alexander the, the, the Great, and he, he was thinking the whole time, I wonder how he's going to react to this. But he, but he gave Alexander uh, the, the sum that the general had requested, and Alexander looked at it and he smiled and he said, Pay it. <laughs> pay it. Pay it immediately. Don't you see? He's honored me. He's honored me. He has shown that He believes I am both rich and generous. You know, we, when we pray boldly, we, we honor God. We honor Him uh, because He is rich. He is generous. Uh, he, he, is, he, is, he is big-hearted. That's the kind of Father He is. When we, um, when we think of God as, uh, as miserly, when we think of God as small-hearted, we dishonor Him. We should pray boldly it, it, it honors god you know T- tony evans is a pastor in dallas and he tells about uh, he's preaching at a crusade at the university of uh, south carolina the football stadium so big outdoor event and, uh, and so it was to start at seven o'clock at, at night people were, were streaming in thousands of people just streaming into the this football stadium um, just gathering together, um, and, and people, were, Christians, were bringing their friends who didn't know Christ with them, and so thousands of these people gathering. But at the same time, storm clouds were gathering over the stadium. Just, just, uh, just uh, ominous dark <laughs> clouds. And so the organizers of the crusade, uh, Tony and some other people, uh, got together to, uh, to to pray, and uh, and they formed a circle of prayer. And, and, and Tony said, uh, me and the other preachers in the group, we, we prayed safe prayers. Um, you know, prayers that were kind of vague enough so that it wouldn't look so bad if God didn't really answer. Um, and, and, but then we got to this, this lady named, um, named Linda. And Linda, Linda was not a pastor. Linda was just, she was, a, she was just an ordinary Christian from one of the churches that was helping out with the event. But when they got to Linda, this is how Linda prayed. She, she said, Father, thousands of people... Um, are gathering to hear the good news about your son. And it would be a dishonor to your great name for them to have to go home without hearing the gospel when you control the weather. In the name of Jesus Christ, address this storm. End of prayer meeting. (laughs) Nobody else said anything. I sat back down. Tony said, I I I I sat there and... I could look out over the thousands of people in the stadium, and I could look out and I could see the umbrellas already coming up. I mean, because it was that close to the edge of of raining. He said, I looked at Linda, and the man beside her offered her his umbrella, and she, she refused to take it. And then he said, I sat there with my wife, and we watched the clouds approach the stadium, and they came up to one side of the stadium, the edge of the stadium. They split in half. And they went around the stadium and they came back together on the other side. It was raining on both sides of the stadium. But everybody inside the bowl of the stadium stayed dry. And then Tony Evans said, what did Linda get that me and the preachers in the group didn't get? It was that she had the boldness, the shameless audacity to ask Check out verse 8. Look at what Jesus says here in verse 8. Jesus says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. You see that word impudence? You know what it means? It means shameless audacity. That's exactly what it means. The shameless audacity. The boldness to ask That's what we're to have. It honors God. Now, uh, note the comparison and the contrast in this parable. The the comparison in the parable is between us and the guy who's knocking persistently on the door. Okay, we're to be that guy. We're to be like that guy. We're we're to be persistent in prayer. That's the point of comparison in the parable. The point of contrast in the parable is between God and... And the reluctant, begrudging neighbor who doesn't want to be disturbed in the middle of the night. That's not a comparison. That's a contrast. Because God is not like that neighbor. God is not like that that, that begrudging neighbor who only reluctantly gets up. And he has to be dragged out of bed. And, and finally he comes to the door even though he doesn't want to. God's not like that guy. Psalm 121 says, Our God neither slumbers nor sleeps. He he is constantly uh, vigilant, looking upon his children in, in, in love, and and uh, and 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 eager to answer our our prayers. Note also the, the way that um the way that that, that Jesus ends things uh, here in in verse um, in verse thirteen. Now, if you know some, if you if you've read that his teaching on on prayer in the Gospel of of, of Matthew, you know that the the ending here in in Luke is is, is slightly different. Um, He says at the end of verse 13, uh, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Matthew, it's a little bit different. Uh, There, Jesus uh, ends it by saying, How much more will the Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Well, Jesus probably told us, uh, he, he, would, he would give this teaching many, many times. He would go from village to village and, and teach on prayer. And he would use this analogy. And, and, and at different times, he would, he would, the, the wording would differ slightly. Um, but it's obvious that, that and, and, and obviously both things are true, okay, but it's clear That sometimes Jesus would say, How much more will the Holy Spirit, will God give give good gifts to those who ask Him? How much more will He give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Clearly, in the mind of Jesus, these two things are linked, right? Good gifts and the Holy Spirit somehow go together. How do they go together? Well, what is the gift? Who is the gift that applies all of the other of God's gifts to our lives? It's the Holy Spirit, right? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the gift that really appropriates, that mediates all of the rest of God's gifts into our, our lives. And, 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 and He does that as He answers our prayers. And, and, uh, and even Romans 8.26 says, Even when we don't really know how to pray, what happens? It says the Holy Spirit will intercede for us. And Jesus says here that we're to ask for more of the Holy Spirit, doesn't He? He says, "How much more will will the, whole, will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him?" That's very interesting, isn't it? Because you know, we read that, and, and you may think, "But didn't I get the Holy Spirit? Don't I already have the Holy Spirit? Didn't I get the Holy Spirit when I got saved?" Well, of course you did. Of course you did. You couldn't have been saved without the Holy Spirit, right? First Corinthians 12, 3 says, No one can say Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So yes, you know, we get the Holy Spirit um, when, when, we're, when we're saved. But what does the Apostle Paul tell us in Ephesians 5.18? He says, Be filled with the Spirit. Right? Ephesians 5.18. Be filled with the Spirit. And again, it's present tense. Remember, that's a, that tense of continuous action. So the real literal sense of it there in Ephesians five eighteen is what? Keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Just like we keep putting gas in our car, we don't put it in just once. We keep putting it in. Keep on being filled with with the Holy Spirit. You know, that, that happens um throughout our Christian life. It it should happen throughout our Christian life we need to continually uh, come before God and, and 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 humble ourselves before him and say lord i can't do this on my own i, I need your i need your filling i need your power i need your spirit um, to do to do life i can't i can't i can't do it um, without you and so we need to understand this you know Martin Lloyd Jones is is one of my one of my heroes uh, pastor of Westminster Chapel in London for many years and um Lloyd-Jones would tell people, sometimes people, people would say, and people who were, you know, some people who were maybe lukewarm in their Christian life and their lives really weren't characterized by, you know, the the, the power and the, and, the, and the love and the, the joy and the peace and the, and the things really that come from the, the filling of the Spirit. And so, but some of these very people would say to Lloyd-Jones, they would say, oh, you know, I don't need any more experience of the Holy Spirit. I got all that at conversion. And uh, Lloyd-Jones would uh, would would say to him, he, he would say, well, um, so uh, you got it all, you got it all at conversion. Let me ask you one thing, you know, what in God's name happened to it? <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> you know, the Christian life is is to be, you know, a continual. We need to be continually filled with with the Spirit of um, of God. And, and you know, uh, I think sometimes we may shy away from from talk about the Holy Spirit and so forth. Maybe we've seen. The, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit abused to a certain extent, uh, some of us have. Maybe we've seen, uh, you know, certain people who magnified, you know, one or two gifts of the Spirit and said, well, you know, if you don't have these one or two gifts, then you, uh, you, the implication was you're sort of a second-class Christian. Um, I think if you were to ask the Apostle Paul that, I think it's, it's clear he would he would not, he would not say that. Um, or maybe, you know, they've heard people... Um, you know talk about you know well um you it's great that you've been saved but now you need sort of a sort of a, a, a second blessing i think if you were to interview the apostle paul and you were to ask him you know do you believe in a second blessing i think he would say i sure do and i believe in a third and a fourth and a fifth and a tenth and a one hundredth and a one thousandth because we're to what keep being filled with the spirit throughout our christian lives we need fresh wind we need fresh fire and some of us are so afraid of wildfire that we no longer ask for the fire. Well, friends, we need to ask for the fire <laughs> in our Christian lives. We need the filling and the anointing of, our Holy, of the Holy Spirit to do life, to live for the, for the Lord. Um, you know, when we look at Scripture, we can't minimize what Jesus makes much of. Okay, And, and when you look at the, at the Bible... Yes, it's, it's very clear. I mean, you can hardly read a paragraph without reading about the Holy Spirit. The, the night before He goes to the cross, you know, you look at John you know, 14 through 17. Jesus spends a, like the bulk of that time talking about the fact that the Spirit is going to come and the implications that that has for the lives of believers. And then what happens? The very next day, Jesus goes out. He dies on the cross. And what happens? When Jesus died... The, the curtain, the curtain that surrounded the Holy of Holies in the temple in Jerusalem. The Holy of Holies symbolized what? The presence and the power of God. What happened? What happened when Jesus died? When Jesus died, the Bible says that curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. And you know what that symbolized? Symbolizes the fact that that presence and power of God, which was, was contained in that, was that room, symbolically contained in that room, that was no longer contained. No, His Spirit, His, His presence, His power is now flowing out. It flows out. It's available to His people. And as we sung earlier, we, can, we really can stand amazed in the presence of Jesus, the Nazarene. We, we can know what, it, what it's like to experience His presence, His power in our lives. And we need that. We need that. We need to regularly ask God. Um, to fill us with his spirit. Let's pray together. Father, we do come before you. We humble ourselves uh, before you. Lord, we, we cannot do life on our own. We, we need you. Father, we, we know that you are present with your people. Um, in the third person of the Trinity and your spirit. And Father, we thank you that, um, that we can come before you in prayer that we can take our burdens and lay them upon you. That Lord, we can can cast all of our cares upon you, because you care for us. Lord, we thank you that you you love to give, that you you are able and willing to uh, to, to answer our prayers, to meet our needs. If we'll ask, we'll seek, we'll knock. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking. Lord, to pray continually, to pray confidently to pray boldly so we know that honors you. So we just continue to pray right now. If you're here today and you came here not certain that you're a Christian, listen, the Father loves you. He's demonstrated that love by giving His Son for you. Jesus took the sins of sinners like you and sinners like me on Himself, on the cross, paid the penalty, paid it in full, to raise victoriously from the dead. He is a living Lord today. And he wants you to trust him. He wants you to give him your, your life. And he wants to, to come into you and, and, and dwell with, with you. For you to live in, in a life-changing relationship of love with God through him. Would you turn to Christ today and trust him? If that's the cry of your heart, in just a moment we're going to have a song of invitation. We want to invite you to come. Could be right here at the front. Just come and share what God is doing in your life today. We'll celebrate with you. If you're here today and God's speaking to you about being a part of this church family. We want to invite you to come today as well. If you just got a need in your life. You just want to pray with someone. Just come pray at the altar. We want to invite you to do that. So, Heavenly Father, we give you this time of, of invitation. We ask that you would work in hearts right now for your glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing. Service of First Baptist Church. We hope you've been strengthened in your faith. We want to encourage you to visit our website at fbcsuffolk.org for more information about the church and about following Jesus. God bless you today.